Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Ephesians 6.16 presents to us, it's part of the largest section on the armor, Ephesians 6.13-17, you are under attack and therefore you need armor. The enemy is often unseen, but quite real. You should put on the whole armor so that you can stand and not fall. That's really the thrust. You want to stand in this life full of contests and adversity and opposition. So you are exhorted already to fasten the belt of truth to put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet to be ready with the gospel of peace. You also need a shield, a helmet, and a sword. Let's talk about the shield today. You need a shield because there are arrows coming directed at you fiery arrows. The only way to quench them, block them, stop them, is with the shield provided by total and complete trust in the power and goodness of the living and true God who cares for you. The only way we can quench the fiery arrows of the enemy is by total and complete trust both in the power and in the goodness of our Heavenly Father, the living and true God who cares for us. That would be the point of what Paul says here in in, uh, Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I think it's on there. All ESV says, the beginning phrase is a little ambiguous. It says, in all. And so, in all circumstances, at all times, in every situation, be those who stand by taking up the shield of faith with which we are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Dr. McLeod laid out very clearly and persuasively for us, despite the unbelief in the world today, broadly about personal evil in unseen agents of it. It is taught in the Bible and it is very real. There is an evil one and a whole host of those who do his bidding all about us. And we are in this world, and the world's systems are led by the powers of darkness. We were also, Paul says in Ephesians 2, led by them when we're children of wrath. We are carrying out the will and pleasure and desires of the enemy. We are all part of that mindset and makeup. 
praise God, we've been rescued. We've been caught and lifted out of that and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God. And you and I, as, who have, as those who have been rescued by the power and grace of God, should continue to rely in Him and to trust in Him above all things. Trust in Him. You must and I must fall back on God and His goodness and power as we go through any challenge or difficulty in life. I want to talk about some types of arrows that are shot at us, and I'll take Old Testament characters particularly uh, to uh, do this. The first of the arrows is really of doubting the trustworthiness or doubting God's word. This is where it kind of began, the bad journey began for us. Our first mother in the garden, a serpent came in. Maybe he looked better than he does to us. And very persuasively started talking to her, challenging her. Has God really said it? And she said, yes, he has. He said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it. If we eat from it, we will die. And what's the next thing the enemy says? That's not true. That's not true. Not only that you won't die, you will become gods like him. He's trying to keep the good thing from you. I don't know how many of you have heard that. The Bible says no to this because it is wrong. It says no to that because that is also wrong. Is God a sort of a celestial killjoy? Is he trying to keep all happiness from us? Well, you should... Maybe if you are in that frame of mind, talk to a few people, maybe like me, who have no regrets about the things that we have given up, about which God has said no. My life is no less happy because I have wanted to be obedient to the will of God. I'm not missing out because I'm not indulging in sin. This is the better life. I would trade this for that any time, any day. But here's the, the question says, and it says, you know, maybe God is not good, or even more, and I know people very close to me, dear with, to me, whom, who have kind of fallen into the grip of the enemy that says, you can't believe the Bible. It's not all true. It's not all inspired. In fact, people imagine themselves to be more generous than God. If God says sin is sin, they want to say, no, we are, we are affirming. We are affirming of all kinds of ways of life. The day won't be far in my thinking when they will start affirming things like patricide because that's what, how the pagan gods started. They, they kill their children. The children kill their parents. Why not affirm all things? It was possible in the mindset, mindset of even some pagans to affirm those things. God is not bad because he says bad is bad and evil is evil and he has a design and purpose for your life. And we are blessed when we align ourselves and our thinking and our attitudes and our motives with what is true, because he defines truth. He is my maker. 
And I will experience that what God says is true when I come to Him with an attitude to receive His Word and accept it and to live by it. The fiery arrow of questioning God's goodness. Here the Word of God, which kept the tree from our first parents, was distorted by the enemy to saying he is keeping something good from you, but he was not keeping something good from them. All good things that he had given them was before them. And so it is for you and me. All of the many abundant blessings, can you count them? Count the blessings of God brought to us, both as, you know, these days I, I I'm just marvel constantly as I continue to marvel at the providence of God available in nature that allows life to go on and the great goodness of God that I experience through the gospel, through salvation, where the Creator does not hesitate to take you and me and call us children, open His home to us. He says, you can live with me forever. I will even make you perfect. You can enjoy my company for endless ages. He's good. He's always good. His purposes are good. His intentions are good. Even when I don't understand him, he is still good. The arrow of doubt about the truthfulness of God's word and the goodness of God and his commandments, we should quench them by trusting God, we should fall back and say, no, no, if I were Eve, I should have said, Eve should have said, no, that can't be true. He's, he's, after all, the creator. He saw the man's need, and that's how he fashioned me. He looks out for our needs before we ourselves are aware of them. He only restricted one tree. I mean, there are countless number of trees. He wouldn't do such a thing. He's the one who made us. He's the one who put his image in us. He's the one who gave us all these capacities. Why would he withhold any good thing from me? That should have been the response. Somehow she didn't say those things. The arrow of questioning God's goodness, a second arrow that is shot toward us, is the arrow of fear. Fear of for personal safety. And here I would think about our great leader of the faith, the one who, in the matter of faith, uh, he's our father, and we are his children, uh, in entering into the promises that God gave him, the man Abraham. Here he's still Abram at this point. God calls him from where he is and Tells him to go to the land that he will give him, and he travels. He travels several hundred miles, no problem. Uh, he didn't fall among thieves and get killed. Uh, finally, he comes into the land of Canaan. There's a famine. He moves to Egypt, and all of a sudden, Father Abram is afraid. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but they will let you live. All these calculations going in his head. A lot of calculations. What they will think and what they will do. 
So, well, what could be worse than death? Say you are my sister, then everything will be great. But fear gets to us, right? Fear, fear for life, fear of danger, fear for personal safety, fear for personal safety. I don't think it is part of your culture, um, simply because of the passage of time. But uh, one of the great blessings in my life has been learning, loving hymns, um, singing them, and they have stayed with me. It was a benefit to go to Sunday evening meetings in the assembly I was in, because that's when we sang a lot of you know, other kinds of Christian life kind of hymns. And one of those begins like this, under his wings I am safely abiding, though the night deepens and tempests are strong, still I will trust him, I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me and I am his child. God comes to us really as a real personal God who cares. He's not an abstract idea in the sky. He's not simply the speculation of, of what we call philosophy. But So it's one of the first you know, jarring things of Christian doctrine. God is a person. All of a sudden, you start thinking, does he have hands and eyes and nose? And you know, a person, I, you know, before I was uh, theologically uh, what, illuminated, uh, um, I, I thought of personality as being attached to a body somehow. But he's a person, even though he doesn't have a body. There is a person. There's one who thinks. There's one who loves. There's one who cares in the person, in the one who is the true God. And his care for me is personal, and his love is true. And I can trust him as I would anyone else, even more so because he is good and gracious. So even the great people of faith have been attacked, assailed by the, 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 the craft of the enemy. Here he shoots an arrow of fear at Abram and it hits him. It's not actually a highlight of the life of Abraham, what goes on here. And a little later, <laughs> a little later back in the land uh, with the Philistines, a similar thing, uh, same thing happens again. And at that time, uh, you know, even the biblical testimony is that the, the Philistine is more righteous than Abraham in that, in that regard. He said, you know, he says to God, you know, he told me it was his, that the Lord said, that's why I didn't do anything to you. And so we should trust God. God is real. He's greater than our greatest problems. Even if we have to march into the middle of difficulties, God is still true and real and trustworthy. Take the shield of faith, and by the shield of faith, quench the fiery darts of the evil one. Then there is the arrow of anxiety. If you would advance it for me somehow, it doesn't comply. 
And this, uh, the example, comes from the book of Exodus. And this, again, a marvelous thing, not terribly differently from what happened in the Garden of Eden. God, for the people of Israel, does amazing signs and wonders for them. The ten plagues and the Passover, and he has brought them, and he has opened the sea and made a path through it and brought them out of the landmass of Africa in Egypt, across into Asia, into the Arabian desert. And it, in Exodus 16, 1 to 3, it says, They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day. Verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. What's their problem? Well, this is a wilderness. It's a desert. I don't find the things I would like to see. I don't know. Maybe you came to Emmaus expecting to see, encounter a few things, and you haven't encountered them yet. And you think that the whole mission was not worthwhile. It's not over yet. God brings them into a wilderness. And see what they say. Oh boy, they say, it would have been far better to die in Egypt than in this desert. He's going to kill us. He, did, he went to all that trouble just to bring us here and kill us. I, I just wonder about this people. It's really, really hard to fathom these responses. I mean, they just, for crying out loud, they just walked through the sea with walls of water on either side. And my imagination, maybe I would have done similarly, but not, I mean, there were some who believed, right? So we don't know. But my response is sort of like this. <clears throat> this is an opportunity for God to do something even more amazing than the opening of the sea that brought them through. Right? So... God is an amazing God. You should just stand and back and see what he will do. His power is beyond our imagination and calculation. What do I need? I should trust him. It's the whole point of the Pentateuch. It's the whole point of Exodus, Numbers, Instructions, Deuteronomy. You should believe God. He brings you through difficulties to teach you to trust him. You should believe in him. There are more, I'm just considering, I don't think I'll go through every one of the rest. I mean, there are umpteen examples in the Old Testament concerning why and how we need to trust God. But let me just review this quickly with you. The arrow of danger, we have the positive example from David, and this is actually a good one, right? Contrary to this, the, the whole population of Israel who thinks God brought us into the wilderness after all these wonders only to do us harm, there's this little fellow who grew up, you know, in, on, a, on a farm, comes to a battle scene, and all of a sudden he sees the armies of the people of Israel who he knows are the people of God. God made a covenant with them. And then the other side he sees the Philistines who do not know God. And he can't believe there's nobody daring to go up against the enemy. He can't believe how it is that this uncircumcised Philistine, one who doesn't know God, 
has defied what he considers the armies of the living God. Faith. Faith in the midst of danger. Not to, not to kind of crumble, not to um, tuck our tail uh, and then whimper and uh, walk back, but to have courage before God. Let me go to something even more, maybe more likely to be as the arrow of discouragement. Here's uh, Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah is a valiant prophet, um, greatly used by God, very confident in God. Um, he prays for God's uh, disciplinary uh, judgment on the northern kingdom to teach who is God. And there's no rain and there's a famine. Following that, he announced a meeting on Mount Carmel. Um, and there is, at the end of that, you know, God's, the truth is vindicated. Israel, uh, the people who are there, they are... Uh, uh, challenge to consider who is the living and true God, and they say, Yahweh, he is God, not Baal, Yahweh, he is God. And at the end of, when it's all over, um, Jezebel, the queen, <laughs> uh, sends a word to Elijah saying, Elijah, tomorrow, this time, you're out, you're done. I will have your life. And Elijah is afraid. Faces discouragement. Up till now, he was a strong man. He didn't hesitate to kind of face off a hundred prophets of Baal with he being the only one on the other side for the Lord. He was not afraid. And he led all of that to actually a very uh, bloody conclusion. But now, uh, the, the queen, who, who was not lacking in, in power... Uh, or craft or brawn in her own way uh, threatens him with the end of his life. And here Elijah runs away. He runs away. He runs toward uh, Mount Sinai. He wants an encounter with God. But he's discouraged. He's discouraged. Things that happened that we did not calculate on, we were not counting on. I don't know how discouragement strikes you. I imagine there are various challenges as you are going through your experience here as a student. Classes can be challenging. I know some of you who seem to be knocked down a little bit. But I would encourage you, don't lie there. It's not over. It's not over until who sings? Until somebody sings. Yeah, you, you still have weeks ahead of you. You have 24 hours in a day. You should sleep about six. <laughs> that leaves you 18 hours between class time and homework and catching up on things that you are behind on. It's not over yet. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't the threat of failure, don't the threat of something else keep you from persevering. Don't be knocked down by discouragement. Have faith. The Lord wants you to pick up the gauntlet. Face the fight. It is a fight. And we must stand. And we must stand being fully prepared, but above all, with confident trust in the goodness of God who cares for you. Believe in Him all situations. May the Lord bless you. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Father, we give you thanks.
that you are our God, and that you have become our Father. You have caused us to be born again through the seed of the Word of God. You opened our blind eyes. You showed us the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. Help us to trust you. Help us to bring our concerns to you, to lay them at your feet. Let us help us to be confident in your grace and power to live every day. May your blessing be with each one here. Give us your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.